0: Like you serving your business is so much more important than you serving your clients, because the best way for you to serve your clients actually is to create a great business that can do amazing
1: things. You're listening to the Authority Builder Podcast. I'm Steve Gordon. For the first five years, this podcast was known as the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. The episode you're about to hear uses that name, but don't worry, you're in the right place. Same great content, new name, enjoy. Hey, friends, welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gordon, and uh, today it's going to be a really great interview. We were talking a little bit before uh, we turned the recording on, and um, today's guest is going to bring a perspective to growing your business that we haven't covered here before, and I think it's really important, so I'm, I'm excited for that. My guest today is Tim Kilroy. Tim has been in the agency world since 2001. He has founded and scaled three agencies. In that process, he has gone through all kinds of experiences, made mistakes, and and also experienced really tremendous growth. Um, In 2018, he became an agency coach. And in that work, he's helped hundreds of digital agencies go out and generate more revenue, scale their sales, really create account management structures, and create great businesses. And uh, for anybody who's listening... Uh, Whether you're a marketing agency or you're in another service business, this is going to really, I think, give you a pathway to grow in the business. And so uh, I think it's going to be a great conversation. Really excited to have him here, Tim Kilroy. Welcome.
0: Hey, thanks, Steve. Uh, Great to be here. And, uh, you know, so uh, anyone who's listening, uh, podcast hosts, you know, often we trade podcasts, you know, visits with one another because it's, you know, it's, it's both giving and self-serving. So I had Steve on my podcast, the Kilroy report uh, a bit ago, and that was a fantastic conversation. Um, And so uh, I'm, I'm so delighted to sort of pick it up where, you know, in a different spot, but in the same, in the same, in the same vein, Um, you know, around, you know, around really becoming around growing faster, because that's, that's really what it's on some level. That's sort of what it's all about
1: absolutely and and you were gracious enough to have me on on your podcast and and uh, thoroughly enjoyed the conversation so just for everybody who's listening um we gave them a little bit of your background give them just maybe uh a, a little reader's digest for how you got to the stage of your career and how you how you ended up being kind of a coach to to agency owners
0: yeah um so this isn't something i i, I talk about it a lot, but my, you know, my first job out of college, I was a high school teacher and man, I loved teaching. I loved it. It was like the best job anybody had ever had, but I actually didn't like being a teacher. So I liked the act of teaching and I liked the act of growth and I liked the act of, you know, the acts of, of empathy and contextualization, all that sort of stuff. And in a lot of ways, you know that was and that was just like a one- year position because I was filling in with, for somebody who was on sabbatical. And you know, quite honestly, I had been looking for that, again throughout my career, and, and I often had it as a CEO of you know helping helping my employees grow and understand more about who they were and how they could impact their job. and now that that really made you know made everything better. But after I exited out of my last agency, um, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And a friend of mine, someone I've known for 15 plus years, you know, she said that, you know, she was kind of stuck. Her agency had been in the same revenue spot for a long time. And so, and she said, you know, can you help? And I thought, well, I don't know. And so I said, and because I'm, I, I pretty much think I can figure anything out. So I said, sure, why not? and then, as soon as as soon as I started coaching her, like the sun came out and there were rainbows, and the bunnies showed up everywhere, and I'm thought like, oh, oh, this is what I'm supposed to be doing right now, you know, where I am you know, where I can leverage my my advanced age and my pattern recognition to you know, sort of help people not get punched in the face as many times as I did because uh, I used to be much more handsome before I started this whole thing, but <laughs> But this is,
1: yeah, you know, um, what I love uh, about podcasting. I tell my wife I have a face for radio, so it's a perfect medium. totally.
0: totally. um so so that's sort of, you know, that's how I got into this. And it really comes down to the fact that in this world of uh, of you know all of the information in the world and every tactic in the world is in some book or on some YouTube video or, you know, stuck inside of some PDF somewhere, like every bit of information that you need to run a successful business already, you know, like you don't need to pay, you don't need to pay anybody to find out, you know, what to do, right? All of that stuff's out there. It often accelerates things if you pay someone to tell you how to do it. But it really accelerates things when you can pay somebody to tell you how to do it. Right. So, because there's, there's like the, you know, there's the stuff that you need to do. There's the, the instructions, like, this is, you know, this is how you implement this solution, but then there's making those instructions personal to you. And I think that like that is the spot where the most dramatic growth gains are made whether you pay somebody or if you figure out how to make them relevant on your own, it doesn't matter. But when, when all of the information and the process in the world becomes relevant and clear to you, then all of a sudden, you know, the world is your oyster or whatever that, you know, I don't really know what that saying means, but anyway.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, I think that, I think there's a lot of wisdom in, in that. Um, So we were talking before we started recording kind of about, this idea of validation. And you said, Hey, I want to talk about validation today. And I immediately said, you mean market validation? And you're like, no, 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 dummy. No, we're talking about something more important than that. And the minute you said it, I was like, Oh yeah, that's the, that is a great topic. So yeah. Explain, explain what, what you mean by validation.
0: Yeah. So, so, so like market validation is pretty simple, right? you offer something and somebody buys it, therefore the market has validated that your offer is worth that. Yay. Hooray. Um, you know, that's uh, service. That's like service market fit or, you know, uh, you know, in insert, whatever, what, you know, that's traction or whatever that stuff, but that's not really validation because that doesn't make you think, wow, this is really, really hard, but I'm going to keep on doing it anyways. What you really need to understand and then manage as an entrepreneur, and it doesn't, it really doesn't matter if you are an early stage entrepreneur or if you are, um, you know, the CEO of a fortune one company, you have to really understand what you are getting out of this exercise because entrepreneurship and management and company building and, you know, taking care of customers and taking care of employees. It's all brutal stuff. Like it's unforgiving, like it's an unforgiving drain on you. So at every, at every possible turn, your business is asking for stuff from you. It's asking for, for your time, for your energy, for your money, uh, you know, for your uh, whatever. It's, it's all, it's always asking for stuff from you. And the reason why you continue to do it many people will say it's the money. Well no, that's not true because there are way easier ways to make money than being an entrepreneur. Really. Like many many easier ways to make money, like getting a job. I could you know uh my last year in my or my, my you know like the last salary in my agency that I paid myself, I definitely could have jumped into a a much bigger business and, and frankly had salary and, and, you know, maybe stock options that were worth a lot more than my business was. Right? So it's not about the money, right? It's about what I got from doing the stuff that I did for the money. Now, since my experience is mostly in agencies i work with a bunch of of people who honestly probably worked at some other agency before and thought oh this is so bad or i'm not being paid well enough or i'm really the thing that's making this whole agency go so i might as well do it for myself and so what happens and this happens to freelancers too you become very focused on the thing that you do and so you start to build an identity around the thing that you do. So my second agency, I, I was a little bit of like a search hotshot. And so at that time I was talking to, I, you know, I got invited to conferences to go talk about, about organic search. Um, you know, I got to write the articles. And so I was like the search guy and I had sort of authority and, you know, other search nerds knew who I was. And, and so I, Thought like well, I'm pretty awesome because I was getting a lot of validation from that the market and my community had said hey you're pretty smart cool here's your validation Tim you can have that enjoy it it's yours and so I thought like oh this is this is yummy this is tasty I'll take more of that thank you and so as as my agency grew you know I wanted more validation so I got deeper into search stuff and and then you know and, and i and i got nerdier and i knew more stuff than you know than than i could imagine there was to know about this stuff and then all of a sudden i looked around and thought like whew, holy moly i have just dug myself into a giant hole full of work and need you know that like this this validation requires me to give so much and i can't possibly do it all i need help and so then I had to hire, I had to hire a team that didn't help me, but rather a team that could do the stuff that I was doing. Right. So the, so the, there's a switch early in your agency. If you are, 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 are a service, if you are the person who has founded the agency and can do this stuff, your first hires tend to be the people who can help you do the stuff, but you're still doing the stuff. They're just taking some of the unattractive stuff off your plate. But at some point, if you're good, your business gets to the point where you can't do it. It doesn't matter how much help you have. If you're still in the middle of it, you can't do it. And that is a huge filter for service businesses, because if as the CEO or the founder, you can't say, oh, hey, my team can do this, but I shouldn't be doing this. You, if you can't get to that point, if you can't decide, like, oh, I don't need the validation from being the best at this thing. If you can't transcend that need for that kind of validation, you're, that's the day your business is as big as it's ever going to get. And so, as a matter of fact, you're going to look back and other people might think that you were a successful entrepreneur and all you were thinking like is, oh God, this is so hard. It's <laughs> <laughs> like... Like I don't have just one boss. I have 50, oh, but like the real secret is to realize that your validation, your identity, so to speak is malleable. You can switch it from being the best search guy in your company or the best, the best PR maven or the best accountant. You can switch your identity to being the leader of the best search people or pr people or accountants. And if you were able to make that switch and realize that your job just like when I was a high school teacher was to explain things and to contextualize and unlock things for people who can then go do the stuff that you know you were able to unlock that universe and they can go do that stuff because they're spending more time on it, they should be better at it than you are. And if they're not, you've not, you're not serving them well enough, or your clients well enough. But, you know, you have to adjust what you think is tasty. Your palate has to evolve, right? You know, I know my um, my twelve year old Louis. He likes like four things. He likes he likes grilled cheese, mac and cheese, hot dogs, and hamburgers. And that's about it. You know, there's other. He knows there are other food in the world, but frankly, he's not very interested in them. Whereas my, my 18-year-old daughter, like she's won a kid's cooking show and she is obsessed with finding new flavors and concocting different things. And so her palate, you know, expanded quite a bit from when all she would eat was mashed potatoes. Um, you know, and I think Louie will get there at some point too. But you know, my my daughter is, you know, she has this really evolved palate. And she didn't do that. She couldn't, she couldn't evolve her palette without trying stuff she didn't like or stuff that was uncomfortable. But once she figured out like her, her, her life was better if she tried stuff, then she started to evolve. And if you are a, a business owner, you have to be really comfortable or you have to force yourself to be comfortable to give up the stuff that you know how to do and go tackle the things that you don't know how to do. And so you can adjust where you get your validation from. By the way, that's really yeah, think, freaking long. That was like, uh, it was like two hours,
1: I think. But I think it was an important answer. And you know the the pull. And I think this is particularly true in in an expertise based business where you know you start the thing because of your own expertise, right? Yeah. In the early days, clients want you because you're the expert okay and and honestly the employees oftentimes your team many of them will come to be near the expert to learn from the expert and there is this sort of built-in pressure to be the best expert in the firm as you grow and continually kind of go down that path because that's where you started you know and and so I get that attraction, but I love the way that you've reframed this. Is you've got to, you actually have to make the switch somewhere if you ever want to get beyond that that stage in business.
0: Yeah, and one of my and one of my agency growth programs is called Agency Breakout, and it's designed for those agencies that are sort of like you know under forty thousand bucks a month in revenue. Like one of the key things, like we consider this successful if you really grab onto the idea that your job as CEO is not to make happy clients, but rather to create teams and systems that create happy clients. And once you realize that there comes a point where your business, like you serving your business is so much more important than you serving your clients, because the best way for you to serve your clients actually is to create a great business that can do amazing things because you as a singular individual your bandwidth and your impact is somewhat limited but if you create a great team your bandwidth can be functionally unlimited and your impact can be enormous and it's really hard for business owners to think like oh if i got better at creating a team then My clients would be so much happier, but they don't want to give that up because what they don't, what they forget, what they don't realize actually is that they want to serve their clients because it feels good for them because their validation needs, their little, their, their endorphin squirts are dependent on somebody saying, wow, you're really smart. Or that was a, you know, you did a great job in 2021. I actually bought two agencies. Um, as I think about my agencies, I don't like, I don't really care what people think, what the clients think about me at all. I want them to think like, wow, that team is amazing. Like that's what I want because that means that I've done a good job and, you know, quite selfishly, I have created an asset that I can continue to monetize.
1: Well, I, I can imagine that. For some of the folks listening, they're thinking of all of the reasons why they can't do this, and I'm sure you've heard them all from the the agency owners that you've like, kind of coached. Yeah, teams. my
0: my team doesn't get it, or they don't care enough, or you know they they just they don't uh, they don't have the right experience, or whatever, or the, you know, and mostly what it really comes down to is the like this this the sad. This is so sad. And I'm sorry to have to tell you this, but like <laughs> the reason why your team isn't good enough or you can't let your client work go is because you suck as a boss. Like you haven't given your team the opportunity to have autonomy. You haven't given them the right, the right training they need to grow. You haven't given them the right definition of what you want. You haven't given them an example saying like, oh, you know, we do a really great job for client. It looks like this. So everybody's got the same definition of done and that definition of done that idea of the platonic ideal of what we want to accomplish as an organization for most businesses that are struggling to for to scale it's because the visionary of the organization can't really explain it they can't say like this is what it looks like when we've served our client really well because as a professional, they're using, they're relying on all these experiential clues. Oh, when the client says this, that really means that, therefore I've done a good job. Or when the numbers move this way, I know that they're going to get better or whatever. And you've got all this sort of context around it, but it's your job as a leader to give that context to your team so they can do an awesome job and you can get the validation of being somebody who has built a great team. Because if you were to look at the like the biggest most successful agencies in the world that you know not 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 somebody who's doing you know I'm doing seven figures in my second year of business not those people but you know the big agency holding companies that have giant clients who can spend money like very few people um yeah, media Monks is a is a holding company run by this guy Sir Martin Sortle and he used to be the CEO of uh, WPP, which is a big agency holding company. And nobody said, I think, ever in the world, like, you know what? We're going to go with WPP or with Media Monks because I want Martin Swirl to work on my account. Nobody's ever said that. Like, what they want, what they might say is, you know what? Martin Swirl has an amazing gift for attracting fantastic talent and giving them all of the resources they need to accomplish anything that's why I want to do business with that company. And then, you know, they're not like that Martin guy, he's really good at search or, you know, like, <laughs> you know what, like he can click the buttons inside of a double click display business account. Like nobody's business. Like he's the best at clicking that button. Nobody's ever said that, you know, he's just the best at creating amazing teams that work super well together and have a ton of resources. And wouldn't you rather be known as the business owner that creates amazing teams rather than the person that is good at the thing?
1: Well, so I think that's an open question for a lot of people.
0: Well, it is an open I question, you right. right.
1: I think for a lot of people, what they really truly want is to be... The superhero who goes into the phone booth and you know mild-mannered with the glasses on and pops out in the superhero suit with the cape on, ready to save the day and fix that client's problem in the moment using all of their magical superpowers right then. And I think that's what drives them. Um, And I think that's exactly what you're saying is the only way to really make the shift in business is to let go of all of that as, as attractive as it might be to you in the moment. Right.
0: Though I must say that is an equally wonderful destination. If you want to create a business that is based around you and your skill set, that's fantastic. But you have to realize that that's the business you're building, right? You know, you're, and, and, and by the way, like you can be super comfortable that way. Like you can build a really healthy business that pays you really well but it's never going to be anything that doesn't need you. And that's, and by the way, that's okay. That's totally fine. You just got to realize you like, you have to be honest with yourself. Like, Oh, you know what? I really like this so much that I'm not going to choose to go in a different direction, but there's so many, there are so many agencies and service businesses that are completely focused on, Sort of maintaining themselves as the center of of the process and saying, we can't scale, why can't we scale? You know, our customers suck or whatever. We can't scale. You have to realize that you know choices have consequences. And so if you're choosing to be to stay inside of your business, that's great. But there's a functional limit to how much a single person in the middle of all the processes can scale. And if you if you try to go beyond that, you're either going to have to flip to becoming the leader of an organization rather than the center of the organization, or you're going to make yourself miserable. And but but staying the center of the organization is a great choice for I would actually say for for the vast majority of small business owners, being in the middle of it is where they belong. Right? They shouldn't try to get bigger because they don't want to give up being in the middle of it. So they will like, they will spend a lot of money and a lot of time building things that look like a bigger organization, but the organization won't really get bigger because they can't get out of the way. But if you like, but if you choose to stay in the middle, like you, you know, you can actually grow your business
1: enormously. You know, you can make a lot of money being in the middle. Absolutely. And I think in in a lot of ways, it's absolutely an easier route to go if you're yeah. in the middle, because you can control more theoretically, and be a little bit closer to to the you know final product and you can get away with a less well defined delivery mechanism you know and so i think as as you're describing all of this i thought well i think there is this correlation between being able to build this this bigger organization where you're focused on teams and processes and also creating a finite description, you know, or definition of what you're delivering, right? So if if all you're ever going to do is show up and say to a client, your client, what problem would you like me to solve today? Well, that requires Superman, right? But right. if all you're going to do is show up as a team for clients and say, that's great that the building's burning down, but I'm here to get the cat out of the tree. I'm the cat out of the tree guy, not the building burning down guy. So Call the building burning down guy you know you can write a pretty tight procedure to get the, the cat out of the tree 100 percent of the time right you know it just simplifies yeah, things
0: it it does it does um and here's this, <laughs> just to just to go uh, a step further into this analogy uh so you often have a bunch of cat getter out of the treeers thinking well i'm just as good as the guy who puts the the fire out like, I, you know, so why, why are they so much bigger and better? Like, why do they make so much more money or whatever, or have all of these trappings that, that I don't really want, but think that I do, you know? And, and that's because they've made a different choice. They're going to solve, you know, lots of problems with a big team versus you solving a problem with some helpers. Mm-hmm. And so the value yeah. proposition is big, right?
1: Yeah, well, and, and I think it all comes back to this like, idea of validation. A, it's cool.
0: it's, yeah, like it's it's but I think the the biggest stumbling block here is a sort of like it's 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 self it, it's self-awareness. It's like knowing what makes you happy. And even if it's not even if it doesn't get you to that destination that, you know, you want to be Martin Sorrell where you think you want, actually what you really want is you want a house like his and you want to go off to the South of France whenever you want. Like, like that's cool, but you have to build something that creates the kind of value that allows you to do that. And that's not value that's built around a single person or a single point of view. It's, it's actually, it's, it's about a complex machine. And so like, it's okay. If you want, if you want to be a jet setting South of France, Agency mogul, awesome, right? But just realize that Martin Sorrell has no idea what a ten percent lookalike audience is versus the one percent lookalike <laughs> audience, or what a uh, modified broad match uh, campaign is versus uh, you know versus uh, a shopping campaign. Like he yeah, like he doesn't need to know any of that stuff. And because, you know, he has facilitated the gathering of people who do know that stuff and has helped them create teams and systems and helped them create incredible value propositions. Yeah, he gets to go to the South of France whenever he chooses. And it's because he chose his, he figured out how to get his validation from being the best builder of a business Hmm. rather than the best doer of a business. And it's just different, no less valid. You know, they're both equally valid. You know like like yeah. most of like you're like uh, uh, think about a, a doctor most doctors don't think i can't scale the number of patients i see you know what they're really wishing is like i wish i had more time so i could spend more time with my patients because that's what feels good because i'm helping them and that's a it's i got into this because it's a personal business right i mean some doctors are thinking like how many how can i scale patients but you know most of them want to stay in the middle and do that patient work. And if that's you, that's awesome. Like if you're an agency owner or, a, or a, you know, a business service owner and you wanna be doing the stuff, cool. Own that and make it amazing and you know revel in it, like rub it all over yourself and think, this is great. But don't at the same time think like, I wanna be Martin Sorrell and go to the South of France whenever I want, but I'm not gonna do the things that he did in order to accomplish that. And be angry about it. Because well, that's that's what you that's what you often find.
1: Well, I think that the the doctors have figured part of of this out. Okay, um, if you look at the ones who build bigger practices, that they, they really are a, a, a series of these personal businesses where they're at the center of it, as, as you describe, and then they just link them. Together and and they reap in the reward. But what they almost always do is they hire somebody called a practice administrator, which is really just a CEO by another name, to run yep. and build the business, and right. and that's it. And now generally, that practice administrator isn't an owner of the business. The doctors are the owners of the business, but they're not the ones building the business out.
0: Yeah, exactly. And and I think that's and it's you know I think the doctors are such sort of an interesting. Like they're an interesting corollary for the business services world, where, you know, there are a lot of doctors. You know, there are whatever a bazillion general practitioners in the world, and not all of them have has a unique selling proposition or, or an unbeatable offer. You know what they have is the fact that they're nice. They listen to you and they do a good job, and they can be completely happy and successful, because you know they, you know, to some extent they. They set their own rates. They uh, only work with the insurance companies that pay them something that that makes sense to them. Uh, so they have con- So they are controlling the economics of their engagement, but they're not removing the thing that makes them happy about the engagement. And if you're in, so if you're a smaller business owner, like yeah, you could go work with Microsoft, uh, you know, as as an agency, but. You're not really going to be as important to Microsoft as you are to Bob's Tree service, who's depending upon you know who's depending upon your local search ads to keep them in business mm-hmm. and so there there's a like there's a it's it's different like Microsoft is not going to go out of business if your agency screws up Bob's tree service might
1: yep for
0: sure. So, yeah, and so, what so, would and, you say, and so if you yeah, want to be Superman, obviously help Bob, Bob's Tree Service because Microsoft doesn't need you.
1: Right, yeah. So, so what would you say to, you know, somebody who's listening to this, they've got a, a service-based business built around their expertise. They're in the middle of it today, but they want to get out. They want to be that leader. What are the first few moves to make down that path?
0: The first few moves or uh the the very first thing that you need to do is think about everything that you do that you don't really have an impact on the outcome right so like you cannot like your invoice is not worth more if you hit the send button on quickbooks versus somebody else so in that case it's outcome independent so that's something you should get off your plate Because what you're doing is you're taking an essential process, sending out that invoice, and you're handing it to somebody in your business. And you're saying, hey, Sally, this is a really important part of my business. I trust you with it. And you know what just happened to Sally? On some level, Sally's thinking, yes, cool. Like, I earned this. I got this responsibility because I'm good at what I do. I care about what I do. I just got some validation. I feel great. I feel now like I am part of this team. I mean, that might be overstating it if you're just asking someone to send out an invoice, but you know, you get what I'm you get what I'm saying, right? So that's number one. You got to take all the stuff that you hold on to that you don't need to, and give it to other people. Um, the second thing that you have to do, this is arguably the hardest thing. There's um, there is this um, psychological construct called task completion euphoria so and my wife has this so my wife loves a list you know like for a good saturday for her is when she can sit down saturday morning and break out a list like she's gonna make a list of everything and she loves it when she's crossing stuff off the list because you're like bam i'm productive i'm killing it bam 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 so she gets a ton of validation from crossing stuff off the list in order for you to be a great business owner or that can build a business that can scale beyond you. And so you can go to South of France, wherever you want, is you have to get yourself completely away from task completion, euphoria, euphoria and turn it into progress driven euphoria because in a growing business, the tasks are never, ever, ever, ever done. And as a matter of fact throughout stages of growth you end up having to do the same tasks again and again and again just that you're solving them in a different way because your organization is different so you have to get over that crossing stuff off the list and realize that you know your validation needs to come from we just took a you know a one inch step forward towards that goal we are one inch closer today than we were yesterday and so you can look forward and think that like South of France is right, you know, it's next, you know, it's coming up. And you can also look backwards and think, working 12:30 on a Friday night because I didn't get all the shit done that I needed to do during the week. Well, that's behind us. And so you so you have to realize that your your focus needs to be on progress rather than accomplishment. That's number two. And then number three is you have to get so good at defining the definition of done. Like, what does this look like when we've done a great job? No. What does our client feel like? What do you feel like? What's the impact on their business? What did we learn from it? And you have to also, you need to provide the initial definition, but then you also need to be willing to adjust that definition based on what your clients and team tell you, because ideally as you are focused on progress, you aren't thinking about things that are done because nothing's ever done. You're thinking about where are we going? And so your team and your clients determine the definition of done. And you're just thinking, awesome. Are we closer to the south of France yet? If not, what do I need to do to get there? And that's really then so you need to that's the progression take all the stuff that's outcome independent off your plate get rid of task completion euphoria and make sure that the definition of done is really clear and then you slowly back away from it
1: yeah i love that that's that's a perfect place to start and i think a perfect place to to put a wrap on the conversation you have shared so much great value Tim, I, I'm really grateful for that. Where can people find out more about the work that you're doing, uh, particularly the agency owners who are in the audience who are listening and might, might want to get some, some help from you?
0: Yeah, uh, the, best, the best place to, uh, to to find out about me is at timkilroy.com, uh, or you can find me on LinkedIn or Facebook. I, I'm pretty, pretty prolific in both places. I'm not hard to find, uh, but timkilroy.com is the best place.
1: Excellent, excellent. Well, thank you for investing some time with me today. This has been a great conversation. Um, I think these are important things for, for anybody in a service business to be thinking about if you're if you're really considering trying to scale and get out of the middle of things. So thanks for sharing some wisdom with us. Thanks, Steve. This has been great. Thanks for listening to the Authority Builder Podcast. Here are three ways you can expand your authority. Number one, get a copy of the million dollar book. In it, I show you how to multiply your authority by writing a best-selling book in less than 90 days guaranteed. After all, you're the best spokesperson for your ideas. Go to authoritybuilderpodcast.com slash book and get your copy. Number two, join me for an upcoming Write Your Million Dollar Book Accelerator and let's jumpstart your authority building book now. For upcoming dates, go to authoritybuilderpodcast.com slash accelerator. And number three, Work with me and my team to get your book done and bringing in business. Email me at steve at authoritybuilderpodcast.com and put I want to write a book in the subject line. See you soon.